Thank you, Jordan and Gabe, and so thankful for you guys. Yeah, and, and thankful for um, all of our volunteers and workers and staff and all of you out there. I am a thankful person. Uh, every year, I make sure that I attend the Hope for Kids Christmas pageant. Well, as you know, we have a preschool, uh, actually we're now with three locations, Hope for Kids, and I always make sure that I attend the Christmas pageant, which is coming up on December 9th. Um, usually I'm involved in some way, but if I'm not involved, I am always in attendance. I wouldn't miss it for anything. If you ever want to receive a massive dose of pure, concentrated cuteness, you may want to check out the Hope for Kids Christmas program, as well as the Hope for Kids graduation ceremony uh, in the spring. I noticed something kind of interesting during this last graduation ceremony. Uh, the graduates, those graduating from preschool, the preschool program into kindergarten, as they come up to receive their official certificate of graduation, the moderator, the teacher, will say their name, their fruit of the spirit, because every child is, is assigned or given a fruit of the spirit, and then one or two other facts about that child, including what they want to be when they grow up. And what I noticed over the years is that there always seems to be a favorite dream job of the year. Uh, one year it may be an astronaut, where it seems like a good, you know, 20 to 25 percent of the kids all want to be an astronaut, you know, like one out of every four or five uh, kids. But then the next year it'll be something completely different, like maybe a doctor. Uh, last year, if I remember, uh, um, it, was, uh, it seemed like it was a fireman. Uh, I'm not sure what determines the dream job of the year. My guess is that once one or two kids make that declaration, a whole bunch of other kids want to follow suit. I don't know. But let me ask for a show of hands. How many of you wound up being what you wanted to be when you were five years old? <laughs> no one. Not one hand. If I'm missing you, okay, a couple, maybe one or two people. All right. Three people, okay. Um, according to a recent study in a journal called The Social Forces, only 6% of adults end up in the career they wanted when they were a child. Uh, now, some see that as kind of a depressing statistic. Dang, only 6% of, of people end up in their dream job. But, but let's not forget, <laughs> this is the job you thought you wanted when you were five. Okay, the job you wanted back then, probably only because, you know, your, your friends wanted that as a job. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but, but kids, children, as a general rule, don't really know what, what they want over the long haul. Most kids, and this was certainly true of me when I was a kid, most kids routinely change their dream jobs as they grow up. In my case, when I was a kid, all I had to do was watch the latest movie. You know, and, and at the end of the movie, well, you know, I wanted to be a, a private eye, a private detective, because that's, you know, what the movie was about. That was a hero in the movie until I watched the next movie. And then I wanted to be a fighter pilot uh, until the next movie. And then I wanted to be a race car driver, so long as the car was a Volkswagen Beetle. Because back when I was growing up, you know, uh, what was the movie called? Love Bug was a popular movie. Kids are extremely impressionable, easily influenced. Some of us maybe more than others, but all of us at least to some degree, especially when we're very young, because we don't really know who we are yet. And, and we're open to suggestion. 
We're like, we, we are trying to figure out who we are. Of course, no child phrases it that way. Most of us would be shocked to hear a six or seven-year-old or even a 10 or 12-year-old, you know, talk that way. You know, I'm on a quest to discover my identity, who I really am at the core of my being. You know, most kids don't know yet who they are and don't even comprehend the concept of an identity. During adolescence, you'd think it would become much more obvious, you know, when we tend to sort ourselves out into groups, you know, the jocks, the, the nerds, the geeks, the skaters, the loners, the preppies, the hipsters, the goths, you know, all these different groups. You'd think at that point, we'd get that we're trying to figure out who we really are. We're trying to discover our identity. And some do figure out that that's what, in fact, what we are trying to do. But my guess is that most people don't. Most are still, at, you know, are just wanting to be cool. They're just wanting to fit in, win the approval and validation from their peers, and, and, and just, just be, you know, just, just fit in. And, and I think it's no secret that along the way, we often try to be something or someone that we're not. I think most people are aware this is something this is something we're all prone to. We do this in a lot of different ways. We put on masks in an attempt to try to convince people, and sometimes even ourselves, that we're something or someone we're not. We, we imitate the mannerisms or the clothing styles or the hairstyles, uh, the verbiage of other people, you know, people perhaps whom we admire. Uh, they may not even be real people. You know, they may just be characters on TV or, or you know, movie or something. Uh, we buy things, sometimes going deep into debt to give other people the impression that we're something that we're not. You know, we do all these kinds of things, especially in our younger years, and particularly at our 10-year high school reunion, uh, as most of you know, but, but, but sometimes even as we get older. And, and very few people would deny that we do these things. In fact, many would consider these things to be a very normal part of life a normal part of figuring out who you really are. But the big question is, can someone figure out who they are? Can they discover their real identity, the person God created them to be, by merely trying on different categories of currently trending characters? Or by, con you know, or by conforming ourselves outwardly to different styles of hair and makeup and clothes and verbiage and external behavior? Just a thought. See, this is a big deal because everyone, everyone in one way or another is on a desperate quest to find themselves. Everyone is, is on a quest to discover their true identity, who they really are at the core of their being. How does one discover who they really are? We're in a series called Human where we are looking at what it means to be a human from a biblical perspective. And this idea of identity is very much central to our humanity. I don't know this for certain, but I think this is one of the things that separate us from the other animals, our sense of identity, the sense that we are, are unique individuals who often struggle with who they are and often even aren't sure who they are. Last week, as well as previous weeks in this series, but especially last week, we talked in depth about how each one of us is created to be a unique and special expression of God's love and creative goodness. Over 7 billion people in the world 
and no two are exactly alike. Each one God created to be a unique and special expression of his love and creative goodness. Here's what I want to add this week. This truth that each one of us is created to be a unique and special expression of God's creative goodness. Is, this is something that God intends to bring us great joy and peace. Something he intends for us to rejoice in and be glad about. God wants you to be full of joy and gratitude for the person he made you and the person he is continuing to make you into. He, he wants to... He, he wants that to be a point of growing fulfillment and satisfaction for you. Something that you are more and more genuinely thankful for and happy about. Now, my guess is that that is difficult for most of us to believe. Because we all have a long list of things about ourselves that we are not at all happy about. Our appearance, our shape, our height or lack thereof, our aptitudes and natural abilities, or lack thereof, our personalities, <laughs> or lack thereof, uh, sometimes in some cases, even our ethnicity or our gender are things we wish we could change about ourselves. We wish we were more attractive. We wish we were more charismatic, more intelligent, more witty, and more humorous. All kinds of things we wish we were but perhaps are not. So it's difficult for most of us to believe that God really wants us to be happy and grateful about who he made us when we are so dissatisfied with that person. Sometimes we want to be something uh, we're not so much. Sometimes we want to be something that we're not so much that we will actually pretend that we are that when in reality we are not. For example, we, we, you know, everybody knows people like this, right? Uh, somebody uh, truly believes they are a singer. Someone who can sing. But it seems that everybody knows they can't sing except for them. Yet for some reason, they latched onto their identity as a singer, singer and, and nobody can convince them otherwise. Or, or people who think they're funny, you know, like, I mean, like late night stand-up comedian level of funny. We all know people like this who really think they're funny. Some people are just naturally funny. It's, it's like a gift they have. Other people, it would be painful. It would be embarrassing for you and for them to, to watch them try to do five minutes of stand-up. Like, you know, just for example, Pete Hollis, a uh, wonderful man. He will never be a stand-up comedian. He just, he just won't, right? And that's not an insult to Pete Hollis. And it's not to say that Pete will never say anything funny. Every so often he will say something that some people think is hilarious, you know. It's just pretty obvious to most people that Pete will never make a living doing stand-up comedy. In fact, the, the very thought of that is actually pretty funny. Um, and, and my guess is that if he... or. For, for some strange reason, if he was ever to try to be a stand-up comedian, he would very quickly become discouraged, frustrated, disillusioned, depressed, because he's trying to be something or someone that he's not. It's just not the way God made him. 
nor me. I could never be a stand-up comedian. I wish I could. I wish I was funny. I wish I had that ability. That's something that I always wished that I was good at. Uh, and sometimes people think that I'm funny. But, but it took me many years and a handful of embarrassing experiences before I, I finally realized and made peace with the fact that it's just not one of my gifts. I will never be a stand-up comedian or a lot of other things, an NFL fullback. Never going to happen. And it should be obvious to most of you. I, I'm just not built for that. Never was built for that. See, God wants you to be happy and grateful for who you really are and not who you might think you are or even who you might want to be, but in reality aren't. And there's huge differences between those things. We often see ourselves as something or someone that we're not. Or maybe it would be easier to see if I phrased it this way. Other people, other people often try to be something they clearly are not, which we all know is true, which is why the phrase, who do you think you are, is, is one of the reasons why that phrase is used so much. We, we say that to someone, we more often think, about, think, think that about somebody, even if we don't say it, because they clearly have an inner, inaccurate or exaggerated view of themselves, of, of their authority or their expertise or their knowledge or skill or any number of other things. They think they know who they are, but obviously don't, at least in, in that context. But the uncomfortable truth is that we, while we readily recognize that about other people, we often have a difficult time recognizing that that's true about ourselves. We often are wrong about who we think we are, which raises the question, what determines who we really are? Are we simply whoever we decide we want to be, as the popular thinking goes today? Can we just decide to be whoever we want to be? Now, I know this has become a somewhat controversial subject more and more over the past few years, especially in certain areas, uh, in particular, you know, uh, when it comes to gender identity. But let me just say that no matter where you are on that topic, no matter where you stand or what your convictions are on that topic, I just want to present to you today what should be recognized as a universal truth, one that is recognized by virtually everyone who believes that there is a creator God. Universal truth. Here it is. You will never discover who you really are apart from God. You'll never discover who you really are apart from God because you are not your creator. I am not my own creator. God alone is the creator, and he created you to be a unique and special expression of his love and creative goodness. And he wants you to rejoice and be grateful in that. Be, be grateful for who he made you. A famous passage from Isaiah says, says this, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay, and you are the potter. We are all formed by your hand. 
he's drawing a picture here. This, this is what humanity is like, just lumps of clay. We have no ability to form ourselves. God is the creator. Now, we're tempted to read this and, and assume that because God is the potter and we are the clay, then everything we think, do, say, desire, long for, pursue, all of that is an outgrowth of who he made us. But that, ex uh, that assumption ignores something Isaiah said earlier, where Isaiah describes how the clay is apparently sometimes unhappy and very dissatisfied with what the potter has made it and is rebelling against the potter. This is what Isaiah says earlier in his, in his letter. He says this, What sorrow awaits those who argue with their creator. Does a clay pot argue with its maker? Does a clay dispute with the one who shapes it, saying, Stop it, you're doing it wrong? Does the pot exclaim, How clumsy can you be? See, we are all like lumps of clay that have rebelled against the potter. In another place in Isaiah, I didn't put this verse on the screen, it says, All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us turned to our own way. We've kind of turned our back on the shepherd, we've turned our back on the potter, and we've kind of decided to go it alone. We're all like lumps of clay who have rebelled against the Creator, lumps of clay shaking our fist at the potter, crawling off the potter's wheel as he is trying to shape us and form his image and likeness in us, as he is perfecting our identity, who we are created to be. I'm, I'm going to suggest today that perhaps the reason so many of us struggle with with so much with insecurity, with self-doubt, with self-loathing, unhappy with ourselves, and maybe even angry and resentful toward God for making us the way he did, and maybe not like, you know, so-and-so who is so, you know, put together so well in, 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 in almost every way. The, the reason we struggle the way we do is because we have refused to fully embrace the truth that we will never discover who we're truly created to be apart from God, apart from our Creator. And not just apart from God, but apart from complete submission and surrender to God's loving, unique plans and purposes for our lives. Surrender and submission to the truth that our identity lies completely in Him. Our identity lies completely in in him. See, we all have a deep inner need for validation, undeniable, indisputable. We need validation. We need affirmation. We need approval. But God, our creator, created us with a need to look first and foremost to him for that validation and affirmation, for the validation of our identity, for who we really are at the core of our being. And to the degree that we fail to recognize and embrace the truth that he is the source of our identity is the degree to which we will wind up looking to other people, others, for validation and affirmation of our identity. To, the, to that degree, we will be dependent on the approval and validation of others. Listen, you were created, you were hardwired with the need for validation first and foremost from God. You were created with a desire for validation from others, particularly in very specific contexts, which is actually a, a, a totally different, a whole nother sermon. But your foundational, fundamental need, whether you realize it or not, is for validation from God, your Heavenly Father. 
And when you unhitch your identity from God, all you, all you're, you are left with is a desperate need for validation from other people, most of whom are also in desperate need of validation from other people themselves, and none of whom are even remotely qualified to give you that validation, approval, and affirmation. God never intended for you to draw your validation primarily from people because he knows how, how broken and sinful and needy people are. And in fact, if you are looking to other people as the primary source of your validation and affirmation, you're going to find yourself in a world of hurt because no human being is qualified to, to provide that for you. They don't have the credentials. None of us do. In fact, Jesus went so far as to say this, how can you believe in me when you seek and receive glory and approval from one another and yet you do not seek the glory and approval which comes from the one and only God? This is no small thing. This is actually at the root of, of a hugely significant amount of relational and social dysfunction today. People have a desperate need to be validated, affirmed, and approved of. And in some cases, if they don't get that, uh, that validation and affirmation and approval from other people, they literally can't function. Some go so, go so far as to want to end their lives, and sadly, some do, simply because a person or a group of people would not give them the validation that they are demanding. And, and that is heartbreaking. It truly is. So, so many say that the solution is, well, then just give them that validation and affirmation that they are seeking, problem solved. But it's not problem solved because it's not the real problem. Listen, aside from the question of whether or not it is really helpful or healthy to affirm or validate somebody who's desperately trying to be someone they're not, aside from that, if, if I so desperately need validation and affirmation from you that I can't function and no longer even want to go on living because, because you refuse to validate me and approve of me and affirm me, then the problem really is somewhere in me and not in you, who may very well have a legitimate reason for not validating my choices or my values or beliefs or behaviors. And, and even if you didn't have a legitimate reason for validating me, the problem would still be mine if I needed it so much, was so dependent upon it, that, that I become distraught to the point of harming myself or, as is sometimes the case, harming someone else. Without God, without God, you will look for your identity in all the wrong places. You, you might, in a sense, find yourself stuck in adolescence, a period where everybody, you know, thought they could just completely change their identity simply by, you know, changing the way they dressed or, or you know, their mannerisms or their outward behavior or their physical appearance, you know, with tattoos or, or piercings or surgery. As we've said all through this series, you are far, far more than just a physical being, far more than just a physical body where you can just change your identity by changing something about your body. Okay, Jim, but, but, but what about things that run a little, different, uh, a little deeper, you know, more below the surface, that are not quite so external, but maybe more internal? For example, what about our desires, what we want, you know, our longings, what I feel, my emotions, what I think and how I think and what I desire, my passions? 
certainly these are the kinds of things that define me, right? That determine my identity, that define who I really am. Listen, our longings, desires, passions are also an inadequate and even a dangerous place to root our identity. Our desires and passions often lead us astray. This should be, you should not, you know, need any, we, we all understand that. The mantra of our culture is, follow your heart. But our heart often deceives us. Our heart, our heart often gets us into trouble because our heart doesn't have a brain. Bottom line. Nowhere in the Bible will you find the phrase, follow your heart. No, it's not in the Bible. You will find a verse that says this, however. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? The, the advice to follow your heart is, is, a very, is, is not good advice. Marriages have disintegrated. Families have been ripped apart. Relationships destroyed. Lives ruined. Even nations toppled because people have followed their heart. They have let their feelings, their emotions and desires direct and define them. Here's the problem with following my feelings or my, you know, or, or, or my desires and letting them determine my identity. They quickly become my master and turn me into their slave. And in doing so, they actually damage, they actually distort and deform who I really am, my real identity, who God created me to be. It leads to a disordered Identity. Your, pat, your, your identity is not rooted in these things. Now, those things may be a part of you. Just like, just like leaves on a tree, you know, leaves are part of a tree. But leaves come and go. Leaves seasonally, seasonally fall off a tree. But that doesn't fundamentally change a tree, does it? An apple tree that loses all its leaves will still be an apple tree, right? And in fact, most apple trees do lose their leaves seasonally. And, and suppose an apple tree were somehow able to glue maple leaves all over its branches. It wouldn't then become a maple tree, would it? No. It would still be an apple tree, though an apple tree obviously experiencing an identity crisis. You, you can try to change all the external things you want on a tree, but it won't fundamentally change the tree. It won't change what the tree actually is. So the million-dollar question is this. How do you figure out who you are? Let me tell you what Jesus said. Here you go. And I need to warn you. It's pretty counterintuitive. But here it is. Here's how you figure out who you are. You stop trying to figure out who you are. Jesus once said this, whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. That's pretty counterintuitive. He said a lot of stuff like that. In another place, he said this, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Deny themselves. Deny themselves. Yeah, deny themselves and take up their cross. Wait a minute. The cross is an instrument of execution. The cross is what criminals would die on. Take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. What? 
But whoever wants to, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. But what good is it if somebody gains the whole world and yet forfeits their soul? You can gain the whole world, and the world may even applaud you, but in the process, you can forfeit who you really are. Deny myself? Lose myself? Take up my cross? I'm, I'm trying to find myself. I'm trying to figure out who I really am. I'm trying to discover myself. This isn't helping. Listen, here's what Jesus says. As long as you're looking for yourself, you will never find yourself. Because there's no such thing as a self waiting to be found. There's a self waiting to be created. There's a creator waiting to create you. But you are not the creator. I am not the creator. God began that work of creation the moment you were conceived, and he has the blueprints made up, and the design grid put in place, and the machinery fine-tuned and calibrated, and all the parts and pieces, pieces uh, the material, just as he wanted them in order to create yet another unique and very special expression of his love and his goodness. He is the creator, not us. A verse we looked at last week says this, for we are God's handiwork. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Listen, it is only as you are willing to surrender who you think you are, surrender who you think you should be, surrender who you think you might want to be, and surrender and submit yourself to God as he works his image and likeness into you that you begin to become the you you were meant to be. And you will never be truly happy being anybody else, even someone of your own imagination. You will only be truly content and filled with joy as you embrace the person that God made you to be. C.S. Lewis, in his classic work, Mere Christianity, wrote this. There must be a real giving up of the self. You must throw it away blindly, so to speak. Christ will indeed give you a real personality, but you must not go to him for the sake of that. As long as your own personality is what you are bothering about, you're not going to him at all. The very first step is to try to forget about the self altogether. Your real new self, which is Christ's and also yours, and yours just because it is his, will not come as long as you're looking for it. It will come when you are looking for him. It's what Jesus said, right? If you really want to find yourself, you're going to, you know, if you really want to find yourself, you're going you're gonna to lose yourself. But if you lose yourself in him, you actually find yourself. You will never discover who you truly are created to be apart from complete submission and surrender to God. Your identity, your identity is found only in Him, which is why so many people live their whole lives and never really truly figure out who they are. And they go to their graves having never really figured out who they truly were because they kept God at arm's length their whole lives. Nick Vujicic, worship team, why don't you guys come back up? Nick Vujicic, who most of you know and many of you uh, have met, 
went through a very severe identity crisis uh, when he was young. So severe, he tried to actually end his life when he was just 10 years old. He was angry at God for who he made him, angry and resentful at God for giving everybody else things that he didn't give him. Nick had to struggle in ways the overwhelming majority of us have never had to struggle or will ever have to struggle. You see, Nick was born with no arms and no legs. There's a picture of Nick right there. Today, Nick is one of the most grateful, most joyful, most inspiring, most life-filled and vibrant people you will ever have the privilege of meeting. He is overflowing with love. Those of you who met him know this is true. Overflowing with gratitude, with incredible joy and a confidence that is contagious. And every year, Nick speaks to literally millions and millions of people all over the world, giving them words of hope, telling them about the God who created them to be a unique and special expression of his love and creative goodness. And people listen because this guy is living proof of that reality. But Nick had to make a choice, and it's a choice he has learned that he has to make every single day. He had to choose to root his identity, root his identity not in what other people think of him, not in what the world considers important or valuable, not in how he looks or even in what he wants, but in God and God alone. And in God, he has discovered and is continuing to discover who he really is. And you know what? That is a, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. I am so grateful for who God has made Nick. Let's pray. Lord, it's so easy for us to want to root our identity in our achievements, in our accomplishments, in our appearance, in our talents and abilities, in our level of influence, in our desires and our longings, all the things the world values. But you have told us that it's impossible for us to find our identity in anything other than you. It's possible we could gain the whole world and yet forfeit our soul. We could gain everything we think we want and yet miss out completely on who we were really meant to be. And, and, and go to our graves, wind up never becoming that expression of your image and likeness, of your love and goodness that you created us to be. Father, help us. Help us to seek first and foremost your validation, your affirmation, your approval, so that our single focus for our lives is to hear you say one day, well done, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, that is the cry of our hearts today. We offer ourselves, we surrender ourselves to you. We submit ourselves to your, your intentions for our lives. It is you who have, have made us and not we ourselves. And we, we delight we delight in that fact. God, help us to, to, to delight in it more and more as you create your beautiful image in each one of us. In Jesus' name.